Good morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning? All right. Well, uh, it's uh, an honor and a blessing to be here with you guys today. Um, let's remember to keep Pastor Barry in prayer as he's uh, finishing up his trip. And uh, with that, let's go ahead and uh, open up in prayer. So pray with me, if you will. Uh, dear Lord, we do come before you this morning, God, just expectant and, and excited, Lord, to receive what it is that you have for us in your word, Lord. So would you prepare our hearts, Lord? Will we be ready to receive and to respond to the things that you're calling us to do, Lord? So would you meet us here in this place, Lord? Would you work on the hearts and the lives, Lord, and in the areas of our heart, Lord, that need to be dealt with, Lord? May we be ready to, to do our business with you here in this place. So meet us here, Lord, we pray. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, uh, let me... Uh, Introduce the, the topic for today uh, with this. Um, as many of you may know, dyslexia is a condition that results in difficulty in learning to read or interpret words or letters or symbols. And people with this condition often struggle in school and are often mistakenly classified as unintelligent, unmotivated, or even lazy. And because of this, a lot of students uh, struggle in school. They lose confidence and actually many of them even give up and drop out. In fact, uh, 35% of dyslexics drop out of high school. And 60 to 70% of juvenile delinquents that are held in juvenile detention system have dyslexia. However, as the study of dyslexia has continued, experts have found something very interesting about the way that the dyslexic mind functions. They've discovered some very significant cognitive advantages. And they found that someone with dyslexia not only sees things somewhat differently than the average person, but they are actually able to see things that the average person cannot see. They see things in a more holistic way, and they can kind of put seemingly disconnected uh, pieces of information together and they can kind of see a bigger picture. And they have an exceptional ability to really visualize things almost in like a three-dimensional way where the rest of the world kind of sees things in a two-dimensional way. They can kind of see things almost in a three-dimensional way. And this ability enables them to excel and to exceed their counterparts in four main areas. Entrepreneurship, engineering, architecture, and arts. In fact, there's a long list of brilliant people who with dyslexia. Names like Thomas Edison, Henry Ford, Leonardo da Vinci, Steve Jobs, the inventor of the iPhone, Albert Einstein. In fact, the story is often told about how Einstein was slow in learning to speak and learning to read. And they thought he had mental problems, but in fact, it turns out his mind just worked a little differently. And brilliantly so. Although the way the mind of a dyslexic works is actually a gift, and being able to see and do things that other people cannot, it's typically not seen or recognized as a gift, especially in its infancy. However, once someone realizes the value in what they have, and they cultivate and develop it, they can actually see and experience the powerful ability that they have and the wonderful things that can come from it. In fact, there's now schools that were created specifically just to nurture the creative nature 
of the dyslexic mind and to cultivate and develop their abilities. So, it turns out that because it was not what was expected and because it was not like what everyone else had, that which had been described as a disability is in actuality nothing less than a hidden treasure. And that's the title of the message today. Hidden treasures. And the reason that I bring that up is because in very much the same way, God has given each and every one of us certain gifts and abilities to be used and to be cultivated for His purposes. But so often we don't recognize or realize what we've been given and we can end up wasting and missing out on what He has for us and missing out on the work that He wants to do in us and through us. And so today we're going to take a look at a place in Scripture where Jesus addresses this very thing. So go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. And uh, I'm going to ask you guys, um, well, let me give you a little background first and then we'll, we'll read. This uh, parable was given really to instruct us on what we are to do while we wait for the Lord's return. And in light of the activity going on in the global scene as it relates to end times scenarios, a lot of activity going on, we are to be excited and expectant and ready and waiting for the Lord's return. Amen? But, as we are waiting, we're not supposed to be sitting around and doing nothing. As we wait for His return, we're not only to be watching, but we're to be working. Right? That's what this parable tells us. As we wait for His return, we're not only to be watching, but we are to be working. And we are in a bit of a season of waiting here at CCT, aren't we? With our building situation. We, we have some special relevance and, and application uh, to this passage in our current situation. And so while we wait, we are to be busy about His business, doing His work, and doing all that God has called us to do. Amen? So let's go ahead and read our text together, if you would. Let's stand and, for the reading of God's Word. And uh, we do have a bit of a lengthy text, so uh, hope your legs are nice and stretched. And uh, bear with me as we read it. But we really uh, need to read it in its entirety as we read verses 14 through 30. It says this starting in verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also who had received two talents came 
and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, you good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. And I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, here you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew I reap where I have not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Dear Lord, we pray that you just reveal the truth of your word, God, to us today. Would you speak to us through your word? Would you stir up in our hearts, God, the things that that we are to receive and the things that we are to respond to? So we thank you for your word. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So let's, uh, let's kind of break this parable down a little bit. So here is a, a, a Lord, as it's called here, um, a, a wealthy person who has entrusted to his three servants uh, what is referred to here as talents. Now, uh, the word talent in this context, it's actually a unit of measure. It's a weight. And it was typically used for weighing uh, currencies such as silver or gold. Um, and the point here, there's kind of varying views on the exact amount of that weight, depending on, on whether it was silver or gold or whatnot. But the point is that it was a large sum of money. And uh, some people say perhaps it was uh, somewhere around the millions of dollars. But the point is, it was a large amount of money. This wasn't just a single coin or a few bucks. This was literally what he gave to them was a treasure, right? In terms of great value, a large sum of money that he handed to them, he entrusted it to them to bring forth an increase. And so the first two servants, they go out and they do what was expected and they brought back a full return and this really represents that they used what they were giving, what they were given to full capacity. That they did everything that they were supposed to do with it. But then you have the servant with the one talent who did nothing with it but bury it. And he had nothing to show for it. And so it says, when the Lord returned, verse 19, after a long time, he came and settled accounts with them. And each of them were judged, each of them were held accountable, not for what they had been given, but for their faithfulness in what they did with what they had been given. And so now as we... Dig into this parable a little bit. Um, I want to draw three points today. And uh, these three points are three keys to revealing your hidden treasures. Three keys to revealing your hidden treasure. And these are really three things that we need to do as we wait for the return of the Lord. And I put these three points, they all start with a D. So hopefully we'll, uh, in this message, give you a chance to perhaps have a 3D view if you will, of your hidden treasures, right? To kind of take on the mind of a, the gifted dyslexic and to take a more holistic approach and to look at things a little bit differently, to look at 
the bigger picture, if you will. So just to be clear, when I refer to hidden treasures, these, these are things that God has given us that perhaps we don't realize that we've been given. And when I say hidden, I'm not saying that these treasures are hidden from us. They're only hidden in the sense that we fail to look for them because we have false assumptions about what they might be. Misunderstanding their potential. See, sometimes things can be hidden in plain sight. They're there, but you don't see them until you realize. I remember one time when I was young, uh, our family, we got a new car. And uh, it wasn't even the first year that that you know, body style was out. But I remember as soon as we got that car, maybe some of you guys have experienced that, I started seeing them all over the road, you know? And I was like, wow, did everybody like, go out the same, di- same day and buy the same exact car? No, it's like they had been there all along, right? They were essentially hidden in plain sight. But once I began to look for them, it was right there, right in front of us. And so, in a sense, these hidden treasures are not hidden from us. They're just something that we need to look for. So, let's look at our first key. The first key to revealing your hidden treasures is that, number one, we need to discover. Discover what we have been given. We need to discover what we've been given because perhaps it has been given to us only in a seed form. And perhaps it's not recognizable for its true value. This is not a matter of if God has given you something. Right? It is a matter of what has He given. Right? In our story here, the parable, each servant was given something, right? Nobody was left empty-handed. And in the same way, we have all been given something from the Lord to be used for His purpose. And it is our responsibility to discover the treasures that we have been given. So what exactly are these things that we refer to as talents or hidden treasures? These are things like your time, your resources, Finances, skills, talents, abilities, opportunities, even your passions. These are all things that can be and should be used for the Lord. A hidden treasure is really anything that can be utilized for God's purpose to advance His kingdom and the gospel. But many times these treasures are not recognized because we look at them the wrong way. The same way that that dyslexia was looked at as a disability and not realizing what was really there. Many times these treasures are not gift wrapped in pretty packages. But because they're packaged differently than expected, we don't recognize them for what they really are. Especially because they don't look like what other people have. Notice that each servant was given a different amount, right? Look at verse 14. He says, He called his own servant and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. Each according to his own ability. Guys, we've got to realize God does not give everyone the same thing. And that's okay. See, God knows you. And God's not going to give you more than you can handle. And God is not going to expect more out of you than what he knows you can handle. The problem is, so often we get caught up comparing ourselves to other people and trying to do what other people are called to do that we never discover what we were made to do. 
And if you focus on what you don't have, you're going to miss out on what you do have. Right? If you're so focused on what other people are doing and all the things that you can't do, you're going to miss out on the gifts that you've been given and what you've been called to do and what you've been gifted to do. We need to not focus on other people and what other people are doing and what they're called to do. Maybe you think, what, what, what talents do I have? What gifts do I have for the Lord? I, I can't sing like so-and-so, or, you know, I can't uh, uh, communicate like this person. I don't have this gift. I don't have that gift. And that mindset and that mentality, we become like the one-talent servant who did nothing with what he was given, but bury it with nothing to show for it. Guys, just because you can't do what someone else can do, that doesn't mean that you can't do what God's called you to do. Right? Just because you can't do what somebody else can do, that doesn't mean that you can't do what God's called you to do. Second Peter 1.3 says this, His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called you by glory and virtue. He's given us everything we need. God will give you, check this out, God will give you everything you need to do everything that He's called you to do. God may not give you everything you need to do what he calls somebody else to do, okay? But God will give you what you need to do everything that he has called you to do. And so it is in this context that the often misquoted verse, Philippians 4.13, is true. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, okay? That doesn't mean you're going to win, you know, the the game-winning three-pointer, right? That the God's just going to, you know, supernaturally guide that ball in the basket, This means we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. He will give you the power and the ability to do exactly in everything that he is calling you to do. Amen? And so with that, God hasn't given you things that you don't need. Don't look at what other people are doing. Focus on what you've been given and what God is calling you to do. And with that, the point here is this. Each of us has been given a unique set of gifts and talents and abilities to enable us to do what God has called us to do. Right? Each of us, we have a unique combination, a unique set of abilities and skills and opportunities and whatever it is, and essentially we become like this custom tool equipped to do exactly what we're supposed to do. I mean, you can, you can hammer a nail with a screwdriver if you want. It's not going to work out very well, Right? But how much better is it when that screwdriver stops looking at the hammer saying, I wish I could do that, and gets to work doing what the hammer cannot do. We become equipped with the very specific, unique giftings that God has given us to do the exact job that God's calling us to do. Check this out. Ephesians 2.10 says this, We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, as you may know, that word workmanship, poema, means a masterpiece. That means it's beautiful. That means that the gifts and talents and abilities that God has placed in you, it is actually a beautiful masterpiece, one of a kind. And in that, we become a custom tool to do the specific job we are called to do. I, I saw this in action one time. It was, it was pretty powerful to me. Um, one time we were moving, 
And uh, we had a, a moving company that was coming and uh, helping us pack up our stuff and all of that. And uh, there was this lady who had, um, she had lost her daughter in a car accident, 13 years old. And she was just grieving. She was not saved. And, you know, my heart just went out to her. And I was trying to communicate to her and trying to, to minister. She didn't want to hear it. She didn't want to hear anything about God. She's like, tell me about this God who's going to let my 13-year-old daughter die. I, I, I couldn't get anywhere. And uh, it was crazy because I, I have a, a book from John Corson. If you guys know uh, who he is and his testimony, he, uh, he lost his daughter to a car accident and his wife as well, and as well as a bunch of other just crazy hardships that he's gone through, and he gives glory to God. And so he has a book called Future and a Hope. And, and I actually had that book on my shelf, and it was weird. I hadn't looked at it, like, for a long time. My wife hadn't looked at it. We didn't have kids yet. And it was crazy. I went up to that shelf, and the book literally was, like, pulled out from the stack. I was like, okay, Lord. You know, and I saw it. <laughs> and so I, I grabbed that book, and I said... Let me tell you about this guy's testimony. You know, he's a pastor and he's lost his daughter. He lost his wife and he's glorifying God. And you know what, guys? When I shared that with her, there was a breakthrough. She wanted to hear about it. She wanted to hear more. And she didn't want to hear from me. You know, and I was actually able to to give that book to her. Because she wanted to hear someone who had been shaped and molded and crafted as a custom tool to reach into the depths of her heart where I had no access. I was not the tool for that specific job. But God can use, amen, God can use even our pain, even our scars, even the difficult things in our life as a tool, as a gift to be used for His purpose. That's a beautiful way to demonstrate Romans 8.28, for we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. God can use even the difficult things. Those, those things that may not be recognizable in our life as gifts and talents and abilities to be used for his purposes. So I want to suggest to you guys that perhaps God has given you treasures that you haven't even discovered. And I encourage you to take another look, to take a deeper look and perhaps look a little differently because we're called to discover the things that we've been given. So number one, the first key in revealing our hidden treasures is to discover what we've been given. Number two, the second key is to develop. We are called to develop or grow what we have been given. This is done by putting the things that we've been given to use. We put them to work. And often the treasures that we've been given are not recognizable because they are in their infancy. Just like dyslexia is something that's not seen as a gift until it's identified and developed and cultivated that it then reveals its true value. God often gives us treasures in their infancy so that we will develop them. Through use. And we have a responsibility to put to use the things that we have been given. Philippians 2.12 and 13 says this. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you. Both to will and to do. For his good pleasure. 
Right? So we need to work out that which has been worked in. Right? When God does a work in us, He wants us to work that out according to His good pleasure. And notice that in the parable here, when the Lord left, there was an expectation that His servants would be working. Right? And so too are we to be working as we wait for the return, the return of our Lord. Amen? So in the parable, there was two servants that were faithful, but there was that, that one talent servant who was not. Look, look again at verse 25, where it says this, the, the one t- talent servant says, I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Look there, you have what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. He called him a wicked and lazy servant. Why did he call him wicked? Well, to not do what we're supposed to do is sin. Did you know that? There is not only the sin of commission, there is the sin of omission. Right? James 4.17 says, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him... It is sin. He called him lazy because he didn't do what he was supposed to do. We are called to to work, to be workers, right? We cannot be lazy and unwilling to work. In fact, 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says this, For even uh, when we were with you, he commanded you, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. We're not to be lazy. We are to work. And we are to be busy about his business. And as Christians, we got to be aware that knowing the right thing to do is not enough. Knowing God's Word is not enough. James 1.22 says this, But be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his face, natural face in a mirror, but... He observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Guys, it's not enough to know the right thing to do. We need to do the right thing we know. Right? It's not enough to just know the right thing to do. We've got to do the right thing we know by putting to use, putting to action the thing that we've been given to develop it. And so these treasures are cultivated. They are developed through use, just like exercising a muscle. To increase strength. And the truth is, strength comes through what? Challenge. Through opposition. No challenge equals no growth. And so, we got to remember that comfort is in fact the enemy of growth. So growth is not comfortable. Growth requires us to step out of our comfort zone. And the truth of the matter is this, guys. When we stay in our comfort zones... Our treasures remain stuck in their infancy. When we stay in our comfort zones, our treasures remain stuck. God has not called us to live in our comfort zones. God is concerned more about your growth than your comfort. Amen? So here's the thing. Strength comes through challenge. And so every challenge, guys, is an opportunity for victory. Every challenge is an opportunity for victory. Goliath was a challenge, was he not? But you know what else he was? He was an opportunity 
for victory, for David to be victorious in the Lord's strength, for the Lord to be glorified in what he did through him. Guys, we need to look for the opportunity in the opposition, right? That's the perspective we are to have, is to look for the opportunity in the opposition. James 1-2 says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work in you, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking Nothing. We can have joy, not for the trial, but from what comes out of it. Amen? So we are called, we are responsible. It's our responsibility to develop and to grow these things that we have been given. And so, again, the first key is, number one, we've got to discover what we've been given. Number two, we need to develop what we have been given. And number three, the third key is that we are to devote what we've been given. Devote. That word, it means to commit or to give something over for a special purpose. And we are to devote our treasures to God for His purposes. Amen? To use what has been given to you for the very purpose that it was given. The Lord gave each servant in this parable His money to be used for His purpose. Right? This was not a gift to them for them to keep. It was the Lord's money. Check out verse 27 where he says, So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and that at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Guys, when, these, when what was given to these servants, these talents, they were given with two things. Number one, a purpose. And number two, an expectation. A purpose and an expectation because we will be held accountable for that which we have been given and what we have been given comes with a purpose and an expectation. And so the point here is this, guys, that the treasures that we've been given are not for enjoyment, but for deployment. Right? The things that we've been given is not for us to enjoy, and and, and that's not why they were given. They're to be deployed, to be used. The word deployment meaning bringing resources into effective action. To use them for their intended purpose. And here's the sad thing, guys. So many people try to use their God-given gifts and abilities to glorify themselves. We see this a lot in athletes or musicians, right? Where they've been just wonderfully gifted and talented, God-given gifts. And they do nothing but use that to increase their wealth, to increase their fame, to increase themselves. Guys, the treasures that God's given us are not toys to be played with. They're tools for us to build with. Right? The things that God's given us, it's not toys to be played with. They're tools to build with, to build His kingdom. That is why He gave them to us. God doesn't give us talents to make our name famous, but so we can use them to make His name famous. He doesn't give us talents so that we can be glorified, but that we can use them to glorify Him. Because everything that we have is from Him, and it should be used for Him. Even in your jobs. Did you know that your job is just a means to an end, and not an end in itself? Matthew 6.33, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Right? What you should eat, what you should drink, what you should wear. And your abilities and your opportunities, your job, whatever it is, it should be used as an opportunity to share and show the love 
in the truth of the gospel. And so we need to be out in the workplace shining as lights in the midst of the darkness. Whatever skills or gifts or talents you have in your profession, use them for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever you do. Here's the truth, guys. You don't have to be in full-time ministry to make a full-time impact on the world around you. Every Christian is in full-time ministry wherever you go. Wherever you go, we are called to be witnesses. We are called to be witnesses in the workplace. Did you know that that is serving a purpose? Bringing light into an area where is so much needed? In the midst of the darkness, Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. How about 1 Peter 2, 15? For this is the will of God that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Those who would criticize or make false accusations perhaps against Christianity or whatever it may be. I I refer to this as living a life that draws the question. Right? What is it about you? There's something different about you. That kind of a thing, right? Um, I remember one time I was at a gym and uh, there was this guy that, you know, I just kind of was starting to get to to know him and... uh, you know, at that point, he didn't know anything about me being a Christian. And um, One day he came up to me and he said, are you a Christian? And I was like, I was like yeah, how'd you know? He said, I could smell it on you. You know, I was like, what? he said, I could smell it on you, you know, and, and, and I think, you know, that's really, I was so blessed by that because it's like, I didn't even have to open my mouth, but somehow, some way, by the grace of God, um, It was visible. Check this out. This is how it should work. As you you know, the the speed of light is magnitudes faster than the speed of sound. And that is why when there's a lightning thunderstorm, you see the flash of the lightning. And then a few moments later, you hear the roar of the thunder. In the same way, guys, the light of our witness should precede the words of our witness. Right? The light of our witness, the way that we live should draw the question so that by the time we open our mouth, they've seen the flash of light. And those words come with power in a roar of thunder because our life backs it up. Let's not forget the importance of living and walking a Christ-like life and being a light in the midst of the darkness. Amen? Our job as Christians is to be a light in the darkness and to use our platform wherever it may be to glorify the Lord, right? Not to glorify ourselves and use these things for our own pleasures and our own success and our own happiness, but to bring glory to the Lord. You know, someone who I really respect for doing this is a guy named Tim Tebow, who was a former uh, college athlete, uh, quarterback for the Florida Gators, and uh, was actually on the Denver Broncos for a while. And um, he was actually criticized because, you know, all the attention he got, he would wear scripture verses under his eyes when he would score a touchdown. You know, he would kneel down. And, uh, you know, he was actually, uh, a lot of people would make fun of him for that. But whatever, you know, fame or notoriety he ever got and, and still continues to this day, he always speaks openly that he uses it as a platform to share the truth and the love of God. Guys, wherever you're at, whatever your job, whatever your gifts, talents, abilities may be, wherever you are placed, wherever you are located, are you bringing 
glory to God? Are you using that which God has given you? Colossians 3.17, it says, Whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. See, when we use what God has given us for His purpose, just like we see in the parable here, it will bring forth fruit. It will bring forth increase for His kingdom. When we use what He has given us for His purpose, that is the proper use. Think about this, guys. How different would the world be without an Einstein, without Da Vinci, without Edison, without Steve Jobs developing their gifts and using them? It would be a disservice, right? It would be a tragedy for those things to never have been discovered, to never have been developed and used for for a good purpose. In the same way, guys, We have been given gifts and talents for a purpose. And it is a tragedy if we do not use what God has given us for the purpose for which it was given to us. To not use what God has given us is a tragedy. And not only that, we'll be held accountable for it. So the truth of the matter is, guys, when it comes to these hidden treasures... The treasures that God has given us, they're not hidden from us. But they can be hidden by us. These treasures, God has not hidden them from us. We need to discover them. They're fully able to be found if we will seek and pursue them and realize what is right in front of us. But they can be hidden. And the only time they're hidden is when they are hidden by us. When we do nothing with them. Let that not be us. Again, these servants... The parable were judged based not on what they had received, but on what they did with what they had received. God does not expect more of us than what we have been given, right? He didn't ask the guy who was given two talents, why didn't you do five talents like this guy? What do you mean coming with only two, right? No. He expected of them according to their own ability, right? And we get that. So we need to do what we're called to do. But just as God did not expect five talents... From the servant to whom he had given to. We need to really think about what we have been given. Because perhaps you might think, I'm a two-talent person. I'm a two-talent servant. And I'm using my two talents for the Lord. But perhaps, perhaps you're a five-talent servant. What are you doing with the other three? Right? Are we being fully faithful with everything that God has placed in us and we're allowing God to work in us and through us to do all that He wants us to do? Are we being fully faithful? Are you all in? Or are you holding something back? We need to ask ourselves, how much of what God wants to do is not being done? How much of what God wants to do in your life is not happening. How much of what God wants to do through this body is not being done? Think of all the great things that God wants to do in you and through you and through this church body. And guys, let us not be the reason that those things aren't getting done. Let it not be because we're not being fully faithful. Let it not be because we're not all in seeking and and discovering and developing and working and devoting the things that God has given us completely to His purposes and to His kingdom.
The truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter whether you're young or old. The truth of the matter is this, guys. As long as there is breath in your lungs, God is not done with you. And God wants to use you right where you're at to bring glory to His name. Amen? There is still calling. There is still vision. There is still purpose in your life. And God is going to use you until it's time to go and be with Him. We are to be busy about His business until He returns. Until we are in His presence. And so my question to you as we close is, what are you doing? With your hidden treasures. Have they been discovered? Have they been developed? And have they been devoted to him? Are you looking for opportunity in the midst of the opposition? We're in a bit of a challenging situation with the the building situation. We're going into a new season, right? Right? We're going into a new season and we can see this as opposition. And I'm not saying that that there's not that element of it. But are we seeing the opportunity of the new things that God wants to do in us and through us during this season? We need to look at things a little bit differently. And so, as we bring this to a close, and as we step into this new season, and as we've just started this new year of 2020... Man, let's let's hit this new year with a passion. Let's hit this new year seeking and pursuing all that God wants to do in us and through us. Amen. There are souls to be saved. There are lives to be changed. There are people to be ministered and loved and cared for through this body, through you guys, through me, through all of us. And let us seek and pursue all that God has for us with a passion. Until he returns. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we do thank you, God, that you do give us everything we need to do everything that you've called us to do. So, Lord, would you help us to search our hearts? To to perhaps look at things, circumstances and situations a little differently to say, what is it that you want to do in and through us? Are there any areas? Are there any opportunities? Are there any hidden treasures that have not been discovered, developed or devoted to your purposes, for your glory. God, would you give us a heart to be all in, to hold nothing back, to be fully faithful, to produce a full return that when we see you, we would hear those wonderful words, well done, that good and faithful servant. God, stir up in our hearts a passion and a hunger for your purposes, to be busy, to glorify your name. Would you fill us with your spirit? Would you empower us to do all that you've called us to do? And we thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.